With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Health Media Now with award-winning author and host Denise Messenger for a lifetime of health empowerment. Live by being in the pink, meaning P stands for being persistent. I stands for using your intuition. N stands for networking, and K stands for obtaining knowledge. Our guests entertain and share cutting-edge information. They share with you what may have taken years to achieve through experience in their field. Become inspired and motivated. Reach your full potential with fascinating tips and products. Receive a lifetime of benefits from authors, doctors, practitioners, healthcare providers, and learn about exciting new products. You asked for it, and we deliver. Now, here's your host, Denise Messenger. Welcome, listeners. I'm so glad you're joining us today because we're going to have just a marvelous show for you. We have, I'm so excited. We have a really great guest today, Dr. Tom O'Brien. And he has put together a book called You Can Fix Your Brain. Who doesn't want to do that? <laughs> and, uh, He's going to talk to us about how you can just in one hour a week end up with better memory, you'll be more productive, and sleep. How many of us are sleep deprived? We need it. We want it. A little background on Dr. O'Brien. He's considered like a Sherlock Holmes in chronic disease and metabolic disorders. And he teaches all over the world relative to autoimmune disorders, etc. But today our main focus will be, obviously, on You Can Fix Your Brain, which is his book. So let me bring him on board. Hello there. Hello. I'd like to start out by asking my guests, you probably already know this, how did you get on the path that you're on today? Where did it all start? Oh, my goodness. Uh, Well, it started 39 years ago when my wife and I could not get pregnant. And I was an intern at the time, and I called the seven most famous holistic doctors I'd ever heard of and asked them what they do for infertility. They told me, I put a package together, we were pregnant in six weeks. My neighbors in married housing heard about this, and Asked if I'd work with them. They'd been through artificial insemination and nothing had worked. And I said, well, I don't think it'll hurt you. Sure. They were pregnant in three months. So before I got out in practice, um, I was treating people. They were, uh, we were so happy to be pregnant. We tell our friends and they tell their sister in Wisconsin who would drive down to Chicago to see this doctor who was doing these simple protocols that were helping get pregnant. And uh, that's where it all began. 
uh, I'll give you one but example you, you, from from. That. Yeah, you you have my curiosity. What did they do yeah. for you? Well, I'll give you one example. I mean, there are many different things that sure, may be. Um, we've helped hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of couples now over the years. But when a couple mate and a man ejaculates, millions of sperm are swimming up the canal. Millions. Mm-hmm. Why is it that only one penetrates the egg and sometimes two? But why is that? Well, that one sperm, when it hits the egg, it secretes an enzyme in the head of the sperm that digests a little of the mucus coating around the egg. The mucus coating is like a force field protecting the inside, and nothing can get in. But the sperm secretes an enzyme that digests a little bit of the mucus. And so it can swim right through the force field. Well, what happens next is as soon as it swims through, it genetically turns on a response in the egg that shuts down that mucus layer from any other sperm doing the same thing. That enzyme in the, that enzyme in the head of the sperm that digests a little bit of the mucus layer around the eggs is completely zinc-dependent. So if a guy has a zinc insufficiency, he's got plenty of sperm, it still swims, but he's firing duds. Ah. And I, we've, had it, we've had it happen a number of times where we just check the man for zinc levels, give him zinc, and the couple's pregnant within a couple of months. Phenomenal. That's an example of called functional medicine, looking for the underlying mechanism that's causing the problem. Mm-hmm. And my mm-hmm. entire, my 38 years in practice have been based on that. Mm. Well, we need, we need you. <laughs> You're sweet. We really need you. I mean, well, pe- like people need to said. read the book because the, pe- people need to read the book because the concepts in the book are how to do this how to ask mm-hmm. the questions when you're dealing with your brain. What are the potential mechanisms on the checklist that have to be looked for? And, and if they're positive, what do you do about it? That's what the book's about. And the one hour a week, I want to dial this one in right away, just one hour <laughs> a week, best memory, productivity, and sleep you've ever had. The reason for the one hour a week is that people read good books and they're overwhelmed by all of the information that they're supposed to do. If, and then they throw the baby out with the bathwater. If you just take one hour a week, every Tuesday night after dinner, every Sunday morning after church, you know, whenever it is, and that hour every week is based on learning something else on how to fix your brain and implementing it, just one hour, and then you're done for the week. For example, you'll learn so much about what the toxins are that are causing the inflammation in the brain that causes the wear and tear and the wearing out of your brain. You'll learn there's so many toxins. You'll learn about plastic containers. You can't put food in plastic containers. The phthalates, which are the chemicals used to mold the plastic, the phthalates leach into the food. You store leftover chicken in a plastic container overnight, that chicken's got phthalates in it the next morning. 
Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, that, that, you know, that's overwhelming. So what do you do? You have to get glass containers. So that's going to take you an hour. You're going to go online. You, you go to mileskimble.com that we wrote about in the book, or you go to Amazon. You look at all the glass containers and say, okay, I guess I need four round ones. And, yeah, I like those, and I like the shape of these. I, get, I need some square ones. Yeah, I need some of those. And you order them, and you give them your credit card and all that. It's going to take you an hour. You're done for the week. Then next week, you hit one more point on the checklist. And next week, one more. And next week, one more. And six months from now, you've got it down. You've got a lifestyle down that's reducing the inflammation, that's killing off your brain cells, causing the loss of cognitive function. Mm. I'll I pause completely, I completely agree with you. I've had glass containers for 12 years. Um, Let's talk about toxins because they they run the gamut and a lot of people don't have the full understanding of what toxins do to the body and what, what are they. Oh, sure. You know, every newborn child now in America that they test, every single one of them has a minimum of 180 chemicals in their bloodstream that are not supposed to be there at birth. And many of them are brain toxins. They're called neurotoxins, many of them. And we believe this is one of the reasons why the incidence of autism is going up so high, is that these children are being born with brains that aren't developing properly because mom has high levels of phthalates. You know, they did a study on this. They looked at a bunch of pregnant women. They checked their urine for phthalate levels. And then they followed the health and the brain function of the born children after that for seven years. And they looked at two different phthalate chemi- two different chemicals in the family of phthalates that leach into the foods and to the water supply, a water bottle if it's left in the car. They looked at two of these phthalates. And one of them, if mom was in the top fourth of her phthalate levels, in the top fourth, children at seven years old were 6.7 points, (laughs) 6.7 points lower IQ than children Ugh. born to moms who were in the middle third or, or the middle quarter or the lower quarter of phthalate levels. If they were in the top quarter, it was 6.7 points lower IQ. The second chemical, the same concept, it was 7.4 points lower IQ at seven years. So six to seven points IQ lower, and that is substantial. That's a lot. That is. That and, really is. And and that's just on two chemicals of the hundreds that are mm. in the bloodstream of newborn children at birth. We need to wake up as a culture. You know, the, the health threats that we had 10 years ago are nowhere near the same as the health threats that we have today. We have threats today never before seen in history, ever in human history. Mm-hmm. The Journal of Pediatrics tells us that for every person in the United States, every individual, it's 250 pounds of toxic chemicals per person per day they are being dumped in the U.S. 
250 pounds every single day for every person, every mm. single day. And that stuff gets into our bloodstreams. It gets into our brains. It causes inflammation. It kills cells. It kills brain cells, kidney cells, liver cells. You know, we're, we've just been born and raised in a culture that's never thought about it. We think it's okay to use saran wrap or aluminum foil. No, it's not. When, when you read the studies, you know, I'm not making this stuff up. You just look at the studies, and you look at the studies about aluminum foil put in the oven at 365 degrees for an hour and a half, like when you cook a turkey, mm-hmm. something like mm-hmm. that. And, and you look at the aluminum foil, and you magnify the picture, and you see it's broken into thousands and thousands of little pieces. The aluminum foil is all broken loose. And the aluminum is in the food that you were cooking in the oven. Mm. So you get more aluminum. And you, if you want to know if that's a problem, just go to Google and type in aluminum and Alzheimer's and look at all the studies that pop up. Mm. And, and you'll see. You'll see what a problem this is. The amount of toxins that we're exposed to never before in the history of humans. Never have we seen this. Yeah, it's the primary concern. Yeah, it's the primary concern now in our world today. It is the primary trigger to the aggressive increase in brain deterioration diseases and in the development of autoimmune diseases. It's the primary trigger. People don't know that when you sleep and you use standard sheets or blankets or comforters that have been soaked in flame-retardant chemicals, those chemicals outgas every day. They outgas. You can't smell it because it's not that strong, and there's no evidence that what you're smelling is enough to cause a problem. But it's mm-hmm. the accumulative amount of this stuff. It's the amount that accumulates over weeks and months and years of doing this that accumulates in your body. And then you've got a problem from the flame-retardant chemicals causing cancers. How do you detoxify all these out? Well, that's a really advanced question. And it, I know. Uh, I know. There, are so many, you know, there are so many steps to that. But the first, the basic, the primary step, critically important for everyone, is that you are at least drinking a half ounce of water per pound body weight. A half ounce per pound. If you weigh 200 pounds, that's 100 ounces of water. What? Mm-hmm. Are you kidding? No. But I'll be peeing all day. That's the idea. you mm-hmm. got to pee this mm-hmm. stuff out. You know, it's a half ounce per pound body weight. That's the bare minimum. And then you have to do the test to see what are your detox mm-hmm. uh, pathways that may be compromised. And then if they are, here are the things to take to help that compromised pathway. You know, there's no simple cookbook approach other than, you have to start with having enough water to carry the toxins out of your body. Okay. Sounds good. Let's get back to the brain function. You know, I've sure. heard of leaky I've heard of leaky gut syndrome, but I've never heard of leaky brain. Oh yes. Yes. Um I call it B four, capital B number four. B four. And I hope that's a term that gets uh, embraced. Uh, scientists refer to it as a breach of the blood-brain barrier. 
And when okay. when you get a leaky gut, many of the um, uh, types of proteins that make up the lining of the gut, and when they're damaged, you get leaky gut. Those same proteins are part of the blood-brain barrier. So when you test, if you're positive on your test for a leaky gut, you you can count on you've got a leaky brain. You can count on it. It's the same mechanism. So if you've got the antibodies for leaky gut, you very likely also have uh, damage being done because those antibodies will also go after your brain. Oh, for heaven's sakes. And so, you, and, and so you get a leaky brain. When you get a leaky brain, and by definition, every case of depression, anxiety, schizophrenia, bipolar, seizures, uh, any of those, and all of them, you have to have a leaky brain to get inflammation in your brain, unless it's trauma. If you've had mm-hmm. head trauma, that's different. But aside mm-hmm. from that... You have, you have to have a breach of the blood-brain barrier. You have to have B4 uh, in order to have the inflammation that's in your brain that's causing the depression or causing the anxiety. You have to have B4. And so once you discover that you have B4, then you can do some treatments to correct it, just like you can correct a leaky gut. But if you don't know that you've got it, you're never going to take the time to do anything about it because you don't feel when you have a breach of the blood-brain barrier, except that you may be a little depressed or you may have a little anxiety or you can't sleep very well or you get seizures you know, or something else. Mm-hmm. But you don't, associate, you don't associate the brain symptoms with the concept of before. So you don't mm-hmm. know to address it. That's why you have to check for it. Yes, and there's a simple blood test to do that. Yes, yes, it's called the neural zoomer. The neural zoomer. And it's very accurate, and it'll tell you right away. It looks at 14 different markers of inflammation in your brain. And if you've got these markers of inflammation, you've got a problem. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. we always, we always want to treat our bodies in such a way that. You know, uh, uh, how do I say this? Um, There's two ways to measure the temperature in the engine of your car. In some cars, the hot light comes on the dashboard, and you got to pull over right away. you got a problem. Mm -hmm. And in other cars, there's a temperature gauge, and you can see the temperature gauge rising before you're in a danger zone. That, that happened to us in 1986. We were driving back from Michigan. My wife and I, we lived in Chicago, so we were driving back from a summer vacation. It was a 90-90 day, 90-degree temperature, 90% humidity, one of those hot, sticky days. And So we're on the highway in our Dodge, or our Chrysler minivan. And uh, yeah, the air, I, I had the air conditioning on, uh, doing 70 down the highway. The kids, young kids are in the back seat playing. Everything's great. But the temperature gauge is starting to climb a little bit. And I go, oh, no. My wife says, what's wrong? I said, oh, I think the engine's overheating. And she goes, oh, no, no. Oh, don't worry. It's okay. The gauge is just starting to rise. I'll watch it. And it kept rising little by little by little. So I knew it wasn't going to stop. Mm-hmm. And so I said, okay, guys. 
here's the situation. The engine's going to overheat unless I take preventive action. So I'm going to have to turn off the air conditioning and roll down the windows because it's going to be hot, it's going to be loud, it's going to be sticky, but we'll make it home okay. And that's what I did. Turned off the air conditioning, slowed down to 55 to take a load off the engine, listened to the kids complain about how hot it was, and but we made it home okay because we read the temperature gauge and we took appropriate action. Mm-hmm. That's what these blood tests are. They're looking to identify a disease. They're looking to identify what's not functioning right. That's what these tests are all about. That's what I explain in the book and what those tests are, what the markers are on the test, what they mean if they're high or low, what do you do about it. You know, th- there's a whole world to dive into, but now you know there's a way of checking. Is my brain mm-hmm. okay? Is my brain, you know, I walk into a room sometimes and forget why I walked in the room. I, maybe, there's, maybe I should check. And it, it gives you the wake-up call. If there's something that's not right, then you got the wake-up call, which means wake up and figure out where is this coming from. Question. Where is it coming from? I have a question. Yes. On the NeuroZoomer blood test, let's, let's take, yes. for instance, uh, seniors. who are, A lot of them yes. these days are taking a minimum of five medications. If they were to take this test, would uh, the outcome be different as a result of the medications they're on? No, no, unless unless they're taking steroids. If you're taking steroids, then the test is altered. The test would not be, likely not be accurate. Uh, but aside from that, uh, well, what they find out is that some of the medications cause B4 all by themselves. Like statins, statins cause B4, a breach of the blood-brain barrier. And yes. so if you've got measures of inflammation going on, in your brain, that means you're mm-hmm. killing off brain cells. Mm-hmm. If you've got that mechanism going on and you ask the question, why do I have this mechanism going on? And then you have to do the deep dive to investigate and find out. And if you find out that it's likely the meds, then you might look to a more natural approach trying to accomplish what the pharmaceuticals were doing that are causing these side effects. And okay. if you can find a natural approach, then you use the natural approach to lower your blood pressure. And you say to your doc, hey, doc, you know, I've changed my diet. I'm taking a few nutrients. I'm getting a little dizzy when I stand up, which is a sign that you're taking too much medication for blood pressure because your blood pressure is getting better and you don't need to take the meds to suppress it so much. Doc, would you monitor me, please, and see if uh, we can lower that medication a little bit? And many people find that they can reduce their levels of medication when they take this big-picture view. But it takes time. It takes Mm -hmm. energy. It takes asking questions. It takes ownership, you know, taking responsibility to say, hey, you know, I really want to change this, so what am I going to do to change it? You know, it takes Mm -hmm. a little bit of effort. It's not just a simple pill that we've been trained to just think, take a pill and you're fine. No. You take a pill and you put a muzzle on the symptoms and you produce other symptoms usually somewhere down the road. Since our immune function basically comes from our gut, uh, we talked earlier about how the gut affects the brain 
So what do we do to improve the immune function in the gut? Well, that's a good question. There's a number of things. First, you have to identify what is that environment like. You know, you certainly can shotgun some things, and I'll tell you some things that you can shotgun, but this whole okay. concept of what pill, what pill do I take, we have to get away from that. We have to figure out what is it in my lifestyle that's caused the current situation that I've got, and then what do I have to do to get rid of that situation? So, when you, uh, so first you have to identify what the environment of the gut is like. What does that mean? It means you have too many bad bacteria and too much yeast uh, and, bac- and parasites and bugs. And if you've got pinworms, you've you got to deal with the pinworms. But people don't know that they've got parasites unless the parasites are causing severe pain for them. They don't know. Right. So they never know, they never know to check. So you have to look at the environment. And okay. once you identify the environment, once you identify the environment, it becomes very clear of what's needed for that individual to create a healthier, stronger immune system in their gut. Uh, so, you know, unfortunately, there's no simple answer, but there are some shotgun things you can do that always help. And I'll tell you those. I'll tell you some of those. Okay. The first thing is that there, you know, there's the family of good bacteria in the gut. It's called the probiotics. Mm-hmm. And we all know that um, uh, the probiotics have to be fed. You have to feed these good bacteria in order for them to reproduce and colonize and live happily ever after in your gut. You know, you, you, you have to feed them. And what is the category of foods that feeds them? They're called the prebiotics. The prebiotic foods feed the probiotics. Here's an example. Mrs. Patient, you have an entire new body every seven years. Every cell in your body regenerates. Every cell. Some cells are very quick, like the inside lining of your guts every three to five days. Some cells are very slow and slow, like uh, bone cells and brain cells are very slow, to re- but, but they all regenerate. So the inside lining of the gut every three to five days, this is how you heal from leaky gut, by the way. Mm-hmm. The, fuel, the fuel for those cells to reproduce, the raw material, is called butyrate or butyric acid, same thing. And... The, it's the, and when you don't have enough butyrate, you're still going to reproduce new cells every three to five days. But if you don't have enough of, of the raw material, you build your house out of straw instead of out mm-hmm. of brick. Just go to Google and type in butyrate, B-U-T-Y-R-A-T-E, butyrate, and colon cancer. And here come all the studies of when you're low in butyrate, you have a much higher risk of developing colon cancer because you're building your house out of straw instead of brick. That's how important butyrate is. So how do you get butyrate? Butyrate is produced by the action of the good bacteria, the probiotics, on vegetable fiber. That's one of the reasons why you have to eat vegetable fiber because vegetable fiber contains these prebiotics. And the good bacteria feed on the prebiotics, 
and then they produce this butyrate as the exhaust from them having dinner, eating the prebiotics. The exhaust is called butyrate, which is the raw material to make new, healthy, strong cells in your gut and protect you from colon cancer. That's why vegetables are so important for you. And there's a family of vegetables that, I'm sorry? I said that was a great example. Oh, thank you. There's a family of vegetables that are really important to feed the good bacteria. And those families of vegetables are called root vegetables. Every time you go shopping, Mrs. Patient, always buy organic, of course, but Mm -hmm. you want to get a rutabaga, a turnip, a parsnip, uh, a Jerusalem artichoke, carrots, sweet potatoes, not too much white potatoes because they've got other parts of them that aren't so good for you. They do have the prebiotics, so that's good Mm -hmm. for you. Uh, And you have at least one root vegetable every day, every day. And then you go to that great library in the sky, Google, (laughs) and and you type in list of prebiotic foods. And here comes the list. And you see that bananas are a prebiotic. Broccoli Mm -hmm. is a prebiotic. There are many prebiotics. And every day you have two from the list that you've downloaded and one root vegetable. And by that, you are feeding the good bacteria in your gut. And you'll build a strong, that helps to create a stronger gut. But, But that's the shotgun stuff that's, you know, basic that everybody has to do. But you still have to find out what's going on in your gut and address the specific temperature gauges on your dashboard that show up on the right tests. Yeah, and and some of those uh, root vegetables will also help detoxify your liver. That's correct. That's correct. Bloody good. One of the great ones. One of the great ones for the liver are beets. Your liver loves beets. Yes. And so when when you buy your root vegetables, you buy red beets, yellow beets. Uh, I think there's orange beets. You know, so alter the (laughs) types of root vegetables every day. Don't eat the same root vegetable every day. Eat different ones every day because each vegetable feeds different families of good bacteria in your gut. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It all comes down to eating whole foods. Well, it certainly is a basic... 101 premise. It really is. Learning this stuff, you know, just eat, just eat good food. Just mm-hmm. eat real food, you know, just real food, not packaged stuff. I know. We have much too, much too much of it. When you go to the grocery yes. store, shop on the outside aisles. Yes. Yes. What do you think about antibiotic use? If it's necessary, don't be silly. Take the antibiotics. I agree. Unfortunately, though, unfortunately, though, most of our docs don't know when it's necessary. They do it as mm-hmm. a first option because it's convenient and easy instead yes. of a last resort. Yes. It should be a last resort. You try mm-hmm. all the natural stuff first. 
And there's a lot of things that work really well in the natural world as antibiotics and antifungals and antibacterials. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's a lot of things that work really well. It just depends on what you've got and what your body will respond well to. But if you need antibiotics, you take them. But then you have to understand when you take antibiotics, you've got some work in front of you when you're done to rebuild your gut. And studies show that many times two years after taking antibiotics, the microbiome, the environment of the gut, hasn't gotten back to normal yet. Two years after taking antibiotics. I was just going to say that. I was absolutely just going to say that. It's so true. That's a long time to have to work on bringing your health back. When you understand that for every message from the brain going down to the gut, there are nine messages from the gut, or I'm, I'm nine. Not yet. Nine messages from the gut going up to the brain. The ratio is nine to one. That it's the bacteria on your gut. It's the exhaust, the proteins that are produced by the bacteria in your gut that that have their hands on the steering wheel of what your brain does, what Mm -hmm. brain hormones you produce called neurotransmitters, like Mm -hmm. melatonin, which is essential to sleep. You don't sleep very well. You really need to fix your gut. Because the messenger telling the brain to make the sleep hormone, melatonin, is not working right. And that's that's often a gut problem. Mm -hmm. So you always want, if there's only one thing you're going to work on, you want a healthy gut. Nothing has Mm -hmm. more impact throughout your body as a healthy gut does. You talk about biomarkers in your book. Yes. Why? Biomarkers are temperature gauges on the dashboard. The blood test that your doctor does, usually, uh, the vast majority of times, is a blood test that's looking for markers of disease. Mm-hmm. They're not looking, uh, now, disease, a diagnosis of a disease is the end stage of a process that's been going on. The temperature gauge is rising and rising and rising and rising, and eventually the hot light comes on the dashboard. Now you've got the marker of disease. Biomarkers are temperature gauges looking for dysfunction before you get to disease. Okay. That's the job of, that's the job of biomarkers, and you want to be able to read the temperature gauges of your body. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Interesting. And I imagine that there's specific tests that are run? There are. Uh, the tests I referred to earlier called the neural zoomer is oh, a that one great as well. test. Yes, as a biomarker to what's working, uh, where's the inflammation in your brain coming from? If there okay. is inflammation, where's it coming from? So there's 18 markers that it looks at and will identify if you've got uh, uh, inflammation in your brain. That's the neural zoomer. The next test, the next test is called the wheat zoomer, and it looks to see if you have a sensitivity to wheat. That is the most common food clinically that we find in practice that people don't know that they've got a problem with it. 
That's why you do the blood test, because it's extremely accurate. And the rule is body language never lies. Mm-hmm. And if you're mm-hmm. looking, if you're looking to see, Mrs. Patient, your immune system is the armed forces in your body. It's there to protect you. There's an army, an air force, a marines, a coast guard, a navy, IGA, IgG, IgE, IgM. These are all different branches of the immune system. So when you want to see, is there a problem going on? One of the easy biomarkers is look to see what is your immune system fighting right now. And if your immune system is fighting wheat, you've got a problem with wheat, whether you know it or like it or not. It doesn't matter. And, you know, if you pull at a chain, it always breaks at the weakest link. It's at one end mm-hmm. and the middle or the other end. It's your heart, your brain, your liver, your kidneys. So wherever your genetic weak link is, that's where the chain's going to break. So if you're eating wheat and you have a problem with wheat, it's causing inflammation, that's pulling on your chain. And if the weak link is your brain, you get more brain disease. You get more brain inflammation. And your neural zoomer comes back positive. And you're wondering, what the heck is this? Why do I have antibodies to my cerebellum? Or why do I have antibodies to whatever of the 18 markers it looks at? Why is Mm -hmm. my immune system doing this? And then you'll look to find out. But if you don't check, you never know. And so, you know, you're, you're not going to take any, put any attention on fixing the problem because it hasn't gotten so bad yet that, it's, that you're desperate. Well, and I know this isn't the topic um, that we're necessarily discussing today, but you could do a, a whole other show on wheat and what's happening to our wheat well, supply. Oh, my goodness, yes. I know you could. I've read all your papers, <laughs> lectures, et cetera, yeah. on it. That's a whole nother deal. That it is. But it has a major effect on the brain. When, when you have a wheat sensitivity, you know, most of the talks I give to doctors, I'll say, uh, how many of you know or suspect that you may have a sensitivity to wheat? And somewhere around 80% of the room always raises their hand, always. I say, hold your hands high for a minute, please. And usually they just kind of lift their hand up a little bit. Come on, hold them up (laughs) high and look around the room. And they look around the room and they're shocked because 80 to 90% of the room raised their hand. I said, this is your practice. This is not a talk to a celiac group where everyone is diagnosed with the problem. You guys are just a little more conscious about the health effects of different foods. This is your mm-hmm. practice. And they just go, wow, I never thought of that before. And then I ask them, now how many of you know or suspect that if you have an inadvertent exposure to wheat, it seems to affect your brain? And about half to 70% of the room raise their hand. Again, mm-hmm. look around the room. And that's the primary system of the body that's affected by a wheat sensitivity is your brain. That's primary, most common, not not your gut. The ratio is eight to one. For every one person that has gut symptoms with a wheat sensitivity, there are eight that don't. 
they've got brain symptoms or kidney symptoms or liver symptoms. They don't have gut symptoms. They don't get sick when they eat it. They're the lucky ones. The lucky ones are the ones that feel it. They get sick when they eat it. They're the lucky Mm -hmm. ones because they know. But the ones that get seizures or the ones that have miscarriages or the ones that have kidney disease caused by the inflammation from wheat, they don't know and they never suspect that wheat's the problem. Yeah, well... If there's one thing, if, if there's one thing you do to protect uh-huh. your brain, it's do the wheat zoomer test and the neural zoomer test. When you do those two blood tests, it's one blood draw. When you do those two blood tests, you've got a really good picture of what's going on in your brain right now and is the most common food you eat a part of it or not. Mm-hmm. Well, that's mm-hmm. not the most common food. I, oh, really? What did you have for breakfast this morning? What about lunch? We have toast, sandwiches, bagels, cookies, croutons. Flour goes in the soup at lunchtime. Uh, you know, all the baked goods that we eat. We, we, we have wheat exposure two to three times a day, most every day. A lot. And where this is particularly true... 25, 30 years ago. Now it's even worse because of, of the uh, genetically modified aspect of it. Yes. Well, we now know how we can create better brain health by basically fixing our gut and uh, eating foods that our body can accept versus those that it cannot. And by taking your uh, your Zoomer tests for wheat and looking for those biomarkers. Anything else you'd like to add? You know, the, um, um, the question about why is it people know what to do and they don't do it? I think it's a really important question. The listeners of your show... They hear great topics with every show because Mm -hmm. of the people that you bring on. They're great topics, but realistically, what percent of what they hear do they implement in their lives? Uh, Maybe 10% uh, for someone who is really listening and inquiring, uh, rarely 20% of what they hear. And the rest mm-hmm. of the stuff that they know they should they shouldn't be doing, they don't do it. They you know they they do it anyway. That they don't stop doing it, even though they know it's not good for them. Why? I think one of the primary reasons is that they're overwhelmed. There's just mm-hmm. way too much. So if you take one hour a week, every week, to do something for your brain, to learn a little bit more. For example, here's one. When we put gas in our car, many times people can smell the gas while they're pumping gas into the car. You're smelling benzene. Benzene is a neurotoxin that kills brain cells. Yes. You, you, can't, you can't breathe that stuff. Well, what am I going to do? I have to put gas in the car. Yes, but you're standing downwind. Walk around to the other side of the hose. Now you're standing upwind and you don't smell it anymore. Mm -hmm. 
sometimes it's that simple. But you don't know to implement this stuff unless you read the book. When you read the book, you learn about these kind of things. Or why do we recommend people leave their shoes at the door? You know, it's not some Zen Buddhist thing. Rather, you walk home from work and you walk past your neighbor's house. He sprayed the sidewalk yesterday with Roundup to kill the dandelions. And now you've got um, the GMO chemical Roundup on the bottom of your shoes. And you walk in the house and now it's on the carpet and your nine-month-old baby crawling on the carpet or your 14-year-old teenage daughter is doing her homework on the floor on the carpet gets wound up in their hands and in their face and in their skin and gets in their bloodstream. So you leave the toxic world outside and you take your Mm -hmm. shoes off at the door. There's Mm -hmm. lots of little pearls like that. And so that if you implement just one little thing at a time, over time, you will win the ball game. Six months from now, you will be living a very different kind of lifestyle. And it's just naturally kind of progressed for you, kind of morphed into this lifestyle. Absolutely. You have some wonderful recipes in your book. And, oh, um, they're, from so many, they're, they're from so many of my friends like Dave Asprey and J.J. Virgin and Alan Christensen and uh, 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 Dr. Kelly and uh, just a bunch of wonderful people. Yeah, that was they a lot of work. Best a lot uh, of you work. You know, I asked them, you, you bet. I said, hey, guys, I want a breakfast, a lunch, and a dinner from you that is gluten-free, dairy-free, sugar-free, tastes delicious, easy to do, and great for your brain. Oh, so my gosh. you've got... You've got the best from all of these experts on what mm-hmm. they think is this. This is a breakfast I do regularly, and then they, you know, they just outline. It's very cool, very very cool. It really is. I just, I just love love the recipes. Oh, that's great! Completely incorporate them in to um, to our our eating. Well, thank you so much. For coming on and imparting your your wisdom, I am hopeful that our listeners will purchase your book. Please do. Again, it's called "You Can Fix Your Brain" by Dr. Tom O'Brien. When when's going to be your next function? Oh my goodness. Um, well, let's see. Uh, oh, and on the book, if you go to the website thedr.com, thedoctor.com, uh-huh. don't spell the word doctor out. Um, It'll send you to Amazon or uh, 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 what's the uh, other books, the bookseller. Uh, yeah, Barnes and Nobles. Uh, Barnes and Noble, Barnes and Noble, right. Uh-huh. Or it'll send you to books a, books a Million. But by going to the website first, there's a bunch of downloads that we give you for free about um, exercising or how, how to investigate your pantry to see if it's brain-friendly. Um, so if you go to the dr.com, the dr.com, um, and then just click on the book, it'll take you over wherever you want to go to order the book. But then you also can download some other, some other pearls. Uh, uh, so, and so your question, what's next for me? Well, let's see. Uh, I think next weekend is Austin, Texas, for the Shine Conference. I'll be speaking there for Dr. Rita Marie 
Las Calzo and uh, her group of healthcare practitioners. Oh my gosh, that's great. I know you're all over the place. Yes. Well, thank you again. We will let you go. I know oh. you're really busy. Um, really appreciated oh, your time. You. Wonderful book. Again, thank you so much, Dr. Tom O'Brien. Thank you. Pleasure being with you. Bye-bye. All right, that wraps up our show for today. Thank you for joining in. We'll have another wonderful guest for you next week. Tune in. Until then, be well. Bye-bye. We celebrate our listeners worldwide and invite you to contact Denise at www.healthmedianow.com with any questions you may have. And follow her on Twitter at Health Media Now and Facebook at Health Media Now. For those interested in an advertising campaign on her show, contact Lisa at knowledgeworkspub.com. Be sure to visit Got Cancer? Now What? for information on Denise Messenger's award-winning book, Got Cancer? Now What? Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. (gasps) No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.